rocketed from a distant planet to a bold new destiny on Earth. Found by a Kansas family and raised as Clark Kent, he learned he possessed the strength of steel, the speed of light, and the desire to help all mankind. He is Superboy. Everybody, welcome to episode 184 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo. In this episode, we're going to continue our run through season three of Superboy, the Salkine-produced show that aired from 1988 until 1992. And we're going to cover my favorite two-parter in all of this show, Roads Not Taken, parts one and two. So I really don't want to... Waste a lot of time on preamble in this episode, as I have a lot of things to say about this two-parter, so I want to get right to things. First, we have feedback to address from Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing in on Man of Screen, episode 173. Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. For me, Program for Death was a strange story. The robot's motivation just didn't make much sense to me. Wanting to kill because he felt a human mind trapped in a robot body? I don't see how killing would help that. I guess maybe we're supposed to see the robot as insane, but even insanity has some internal logic. I just can't see it here. Superboy's Deadly Touch, I thought, was a better story. It had Lex Luthor played in full hammy glory by Sherman Howard, and the always interesting problem of an overpowered and uncontrolled Superboy. I thought Lex's scheme to finagle a pardon was good, as far as it went, but we all know that even if he'd gotten a pardon, he'd soon be committing crimes, and a restored Superboy would be hot on his tail. I guess that's what makes Lex such a good opponent for Superboy. Neither one of them will ever give up. I don't know if the writers Carrie Bates and Mark Jones attended that parallelism, but it seems clear. Live long and prosper, Dave. Well, as always, uh, thank you, Dave, for writing in. I don't really have a lot to add about uh, either of these episodes. Program for Death was kind of a strange story with the uh, robot, and uh, which felt like it had a human mind trapped in a robot body. I don't really think the robot portion of the, of that story was really what stands out about that episode, even though that's kind of the A Superboy plot. What's much more interesting in that episode, and this is just for me because I'm always a character guy, that uh, the story about Andy and his father. You know, the show doesn't really give us a lot about Andy, just uh, his uh, wheeler-dealer uh, attitude. And we see here that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, as Andy and his father are very similar and that they've had an estranged relationship. The best part about this episode was probably seeing them, you know, you don't see them really mend fences because you can't fix uh, that kind of relationship uh, in a couple of days. But what I really liked about that episode was that their willingness uh, to give it a shot. Obviously, we're never going to know how that went, but, you know, it is what it is for uh, this kind of show and the stories they're telling. Superboy's Deadly Touch was a better story. You know, anything with Sherman Howard automatically makes it a better story. We all know that he's such an improvement over Scott Wells that it's not even funny. And uh, yes, the uh, problem of the overpowered and out-of-control Superboy is uh, is fun. But what really makes this episode is Sherman Howard as Lex and the frustration he, he brings out of Superboy. I mean, it even would have been interesting uh, if Lex had gotten his pardon. Yes, he would still be committing crimes, but I did like uh, that Lex was kind of a step ahead of everybody kind of sending that uh, Lex uh, robot to uh, the governor's mansion, not himself. In if this were a Marvel-related uh, property, that would be a life model decoy. But And that's pretty much what it was. But obviously, this show couldn't tell you that, and I seriously doubt Ilya Salkind knows what a LMD is. Carrie Bates or Mark Jones might. But, you know, Lex is a great opponent for Superboy because they're such opposites, neither will give up. And I don't know if uh, the writers uh, intended the parallelism, that parallelism is kind of always there with Luthor and Superboy or Luthor and Superman in other versions. They're always in that constant tug of war, and neither seems to be able to uh, make any headway on the other. You know, people say, you know, we, they get tired of Lex Luthor in movies and in TV shows, but to me, Lex Luthor is part of Superman's cast. You know, yeah, you have uh, the Daily Planet crew, but you know what? Lex Luthor has to be there. 
he can't be ignored. And that's what makes him such a compelling character. Only he uh, parallels Superman in the way that he does. Doesn't always have to be the main threat, but he always has to be involved. At least that, that's kind of the way I view him. So that's all I've got on Dave's letter. Thank you, Dave, for writing in. If any of you would like to write in, manascreen at gmail.com. Now, going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo. And when I come back, Roads Not Taken, part one. Did you leave the car running, Andy? I did. I'm not sure why, but I did. It, it, it's important. Like getting these comics from Ryan and Chris's Nightcast offices. Why are we getting these comics from Ryan and Chris? So, since Nightcast isn't covering what they originally set out to cover, I thought it would be fun to talk about the Jim Starlin run of Batman. So, we're getting the comics from them to do that. And, and they know that we're doing this? What? That we're covering Batman issues 414 to 430? Yeah, totally. I, I checked in with them and everything. So you got permission to get these comics, which includes the storylines, Ten Nights of the Beast, The Cult, and The Death in the Family. I totally told them we were covering these books, yes. And we're starting these episodes in May. That is, if you actually edit them on time. Yeah, Andy. The, the series starts in May and can be found on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and at www.fortressofbailytude.com. Busting my balls and everything. All right, right, right. Let's let's hurry up. There are listeners that want to hear this, and I have to get back to Atlanta in 28 hours so I can get my flight home. No problem. I got the comics right here. What's going on here? Andy? Mike? What are you doing here? Why do you have our comics? Say, Mike? Yes, Andy? We didn't get permission to take these comics, did we? No, Andy. And when you told me to get the box out of the car, you were really picking the lock to get in here? Yes, Andy. So what do we do now? Well, uh, we could try to talk our way out of this, but when I tell you to run, run! The Overlooked Dark Knight covers the Jim Starlin Batman run, a multi-part series of episodes beginning in May of 2020. From the grisly dumpster killings, to a death in the family, and everything in between. The Overlooked Dark Knight is part of the Fortress of Bailytude podcasting network, located at www.fortressofbailytude.com. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, and Spotify. I'm going to barbecue your ass in molasses. All right, welcome back, folks. I'm going to start this episode off with Roads Not Taken, Part 1. Original broadcast date, November 3rd, 1990. Directed by Richard Lewis. Written by Stan Berkowitz and John Francis Moore. Guest cast included Kenneth Robert Shippey as Dr. Winger, Tracy Roberts as Darla, Sherman Howard as Lex Luthor, Robert Reynolds as The Farmer, Roger Floyd as The Messenger, Jason Padgett as The Kid, Brian Grant as The Fan, Edgar Allan Poe III as The Derelict, Maureen Collins as The Mom, and Paul Matthew as Superboy Double. I'm guessing uh, there's a couple of times in this episode and the next where two different versions of Superboy will share the screen, and most of the time uh, you'll see like the back of one's head. I'm guessing that's uh, Paul Matthew. I'm not sure about The Kid and The Mom. Maybe they're homeless people? Honestly, I remember the kid and the mom from part two, but I don't know who the kid and the mom are in part one. Maybe it's just a mistake on uh, the part of IMDb. I don't know. Well, anyway, our synopsis brought to you by TV.com. Lex Luthor and Darla enter an empty lab where they confirm a rumor about the invention of an interdimensional portal. Luthor steps into the portal and then is whisked away by the portal stream. Darla screams as he disappears. At the bureau, Clark receives a letter containing a lock of red hair. He changes to Superboy and goes to the lab. Where's Lana? Lana? Who's Lana? Anyone wants to see Lana Lang again, send Superboy to Dr. Winger's lab at Schuster University. No police. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll do what I can to help her. I didn't like this. Then who did? I did. Darla? You and Lex took Lana? Nope, just me. And you're never going to see her again either unless you save Lex. Save him? 
fell into that thing. I didn't know what to do. I, I, so I did what Lex does when he has a problem that he can't solve. I kidnapped Lana. Look, Darla, I'll do what I can. But you gotta let Lana go. No, not until I get Lex back. And it better be within 24 hours, too. Because after that, it's too late. Don't try anything, Superboy. She dies whether I'm there or not. And you'll never find her without me. If Luther fell into the portal, there's no telling where he is. What does this thing do? 12 years of my life, and you want me to explain it in two seconds? Will you just give him the Cliff's notes? All right. Ever hear of the alternate worlds theory? Well, some people think there's trillions of them, all on different dimensional planes. Every time someone... Well, every time there's an accident or someone makes a decision or doesn't make a decision, a whole new world is created, just like here. So it's like a time machine? No, 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 no. Not, not like a time machine. That, that's been done before. There's no, there's no, um... There's no movement along the temporal continuum. It's about worlds diverging at, at, at crucial points. Roads not taken. Worlds where, where wars are, are won by the other side. Where history is totally different. Can this thing get me to one of those other worlds? Uh, I haven't really tested it yet. Well, I think you've got your guinea pig. Yeah, but I don't know where it will take you. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can get you back. Superboy, you find him, or Lana dies. Superboy is forced to enter the portal to save Lana. He passes through the rift in space and time and appears in a dark alley. Meanwhile, Lana is being held in a meat locker with Darla anxiously waiting outside. Back in the alley, Superboy is spat on by homeless people as they begin to chant, Die, Superboy, die. Yeah. Die, Superboy, die. Die, Superboy, die! 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 Deserve what? I was there for you. I, I was the only one left, and, and, and you couldn't even look me in the eye. I believed in you, everything you stood for. What is it that you think I did? Think? I know you did it. I saw you. We all hated him, but he didn't deserve what you did to him. Whatever it is, I didn't do Shut it. Shut up. Go to East Lake Cemetery. Section 6. Roti. And then tell me you didn't do it. Luthor arrives at the grave, and the headstone reads, Lex Luthor, murdered by Superboy. At an auditorium filled with people dressed in black, our dimension's Lex Luthor enters to a hero's welcome. so long. That must be what you're asking yourself. Immediately after the murder, I could have come forth and shown the world that Superboy had only murdered an imposter. Why did I wait? Because I was waiting for you. 
I was waiting for each and every one of you to open your eyes and see what I saw from the very beginning. That our noble, virtuous Superboy was really a spineless, murderous, vicious hypocrite! Hypocrite! You see, you see, everyone needs heroes. You do? You do? I know you do. And I do too. That's right, I'm just like you. I worshipped him too. He was my hero too. I trusted him. I believed in him. I loved him. My God! I would have named my children after him. I saw one pure, shining truth. I saw. And it was as looking into a mirror. I saw. And now you see too. And though we are few, soon we will be many. Soon, one truth will be in the eyes and on the lips of all our brothers and sisters, and the multitudes shall rise up. And one vision, one voice, one truth will echo from the mountaintops, and the heavens will answer. Lex! 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 People cheer and throw the L sign at the conclusion of the speech. And Superboy, wearing a black trench coat to blend in, walks behind the crowd undetected. As Luthor concludes a phone call in his office, Superboy stands at the entrance. Lex Luthor. No, wait, wait, no, please don't kill me. I'm, I, I, I'm not, not who you think I am. Take it easy. I'm only here to take you home. Home? Where you came from. Oh. It's only you. You're the other Superboy. My, 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 what a fascinating turn of events. Tell me, how'd you get here? Same way you did. I had to make a deal with Darla. She wants you back. You know, I'm gonna miss that woman. But on the other hand, there's probably a Darla in this world, too. Maybe one day I'll run into her. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not going anywhere. In this world, I'm practically a god. Do you think I'm so stupid as to go into the public in a world where my killer is still at large? Not without insurance! When Superboy tries to take Luthor with him, he opens a box of kryptonite, forcing Superboy to back off and in pain. He stumbles and crashes through the door into the crowd outside. When the crowd sees that it's Superboy, they beat upon him, trying to kill him. Then Superboy regains his powers, pushes the people off him, and flies away. Superboy goes to the bureau, where it lays in ruins in the he sees the alternate Matt lying on the stairs, and he fearfully runs away. Then, alternate Superboy, wearing a leather jacket and shades, comes crashing through the moonroof. I saw you flying here. Who the hell are you? I'm a version of you from another world. It's in a different dimension. Tell me something. Would you believe that? And would you believe that I know that we're both Clark Kent? Did you kill Luther? Did you? He was gonna get away again. He always got away. Do you remember the time he kidnapped those children who later died? I remember. Do you remember how angry you were? So angry you could almost do anything? What did you do about it? I fought it. I had to. I almost... I did. I used my heat vision. Cut him right in two. Don't look at me like that. What's in me is inside you, too. I gave in. Except this is what would happen if I did kill him. So? All that hero stuff is outdated anyway. 
Is that what Lana believed? Is that why you don't wear the suit anymore? Or is it because you're ashamed? It's all hopeless. No, it isn't. You still have a chance. I used to be that naive. Remember you said you know what's inside of me? Well, I know it's in your heart, too. At an alternate version of Dr. Winger's lab, a rocker version of Winger is working until he hears a banging at the door. He's intimidated when he sees that it's Superboy, thinking he's the alternate Superboy. Superboy asks him for a favor. Meanwhile, at the meat locker in our dimension, Darla continues to wait while Lana freezes. Back at the alternate lab, Dr. Winger has called Luther over and... I mean, I wasn't sure if I should have called you, you know. I'm, I mean, you're busy with that, you know, that whole resurrection thing. No, 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 no. There's always time to appreciate a fellow scientist's work. <laughs> tell me, just what is it this thing does? You know exactly what it does, Luther. I don't know what you're talking about. It's how you got here, same as me. And it's how you're going back. Come on, let's go home. You know, you keep underestimating me, Superboy. <laughs> A couple of things I want to say before I get into my thoughts on this episode. Well, you can have one main thought right here. I love, 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 love this episode. This, like I said, is my favorite two part of the show. These are my favorite two episodes. This is the episode that introduced me to the concept of parallel universes. This is the first time that I can recall that I'd ever seen this idea. I saw this before I ever read a DC comic. Well, I don't want to say that because I did have a three pack from... 1987 of Superman's Volume 2, uh, 4, 5, and 6. And my dad had owned a 7-Eleven around this time, maybe the year before. And I'd gotten to Superman comics off of the spinner rack there, the uh, first four or five issues of the Exile story. So I don't want to say that was the first before. I saw this before I ever read a DC comic. But I definitely saw this before I knew anything about the DC multiverse. Remember, I pretty much came in after Crisis on Infinite Earths. This is before I saw Mirror Mirror. Really, this is about a year before I even started showing any interest in Star Trek. And these two episodes are probably what also started my interest in this concept of parallel universes and even uh, alternate history novels. Right here, it all comes back to the adventures of Superboy. So, we start off, uh, Lex Luthor and uh, Darla walking into an empty lab. And Lex finds an interdimensional portal. Obviously, he knew where what it was, and uh, I'm not, I don't know how he knows about it, or if he has any relationship to this Dr. Winger, who is uh, not here, and never once shares the screen with Lex. At least this Dr. Winger doesn't. We see Dr. Winger and Lex together in the other two universes we're going to see over the course of this two-parter, but never in the home universe. So maybe he does have some kind of a relationship with Dr. Winger because the other two losers do. And maybe uh, he read about it in a science journal. So I'm not necessarily sure what Lex's goal here is as he steps into the portal, but off he goes. I mean, as much as I like these episodes, it does kind of start off on a little bit of a faulty premise. I don't believe that Lex Luthor would just step into this portal kind of willy-nilly. Or maybe that was his plan to step into the portal to get away from this world Superboy and start a new life somewhere. I don't know. We really never don't really ever find out why Lex steps into the portal. Let's just say that. So after Clark deals with some guy who is uh, bringing cowboys to the Bureau, kind of trying to pass them off as aliens, we uh, quickly learn that um, Matt can't find Lana, and the delivery boy brings uh, an envelope with some red hair to the Bureau. Now, it's interesting because sometimes, you know, I, ha I recorded this episode off television, and... You, uh, sometimes when you edit out the commercials, 
in real time. You kind of clip the beginning of when the show comes back. Because after uh, Lex disappears into the portal, the next thing my videotape had was uh, Matt asking if Clark had seen Lana. And I do kind of see that throughout this episode. This is like really one of the first episodes I'm watching that I really knew well. And I'm noticing, like, I clipped a little bit of the beginning of some sequences because there were things I didn't remember. Just some little bits of conversation. Like, I didn't remember the uh, that the farmer was trying to pass off cow bones as aliens. Like, the only exchange I really remembered of Clark and this farmer was the guy trying to sell him a couple sides of beef, which always seemed to come off strange to me that this guy was trying to peddle that in the bureau. But uh, now that I know he's got some cow bones, that makes a little more sense. Anyway, uh, my mind is definitely going to wander during this episode, isn't it? Probably the first time in a while that this, this podcast probably really feels retrospective. So uh, the, the delivery boy is properly disgusted by the idea that he had to lug around this number 10 envelope of uh, red hair. So Clark knows what it is, and Superboy is off to start to uh, today's adventure. Dr. Winger is in his lab listening to music. Uh, Dr. Winger always has music on in all three versions that we see. This version has a little bit more easy listening than the others. The uh, alternate uh, Dr. Winger is going to be playing some heavy rock. And uh, in part two, Dr. Winger will be playing uh, some patriotic sounding uh, fascist music. So this Dr. Winger is not, I'm not sure what Dr. Winger here is doing, but Superboy just rudely turns off his music. And it starts being really rough with Dr. Winger, who uh, is pretty uh, put out by Superboy a little bit. Uh, he wants, I mean, when the winger says he'll do anything he can to help, but he didn't write it, and he won. And obviously, uh, Superboy's pissed. Who did? And then this one, Darla shows up from behind uh, the portal. And uh, Darla says that apparently when Lex has a problem he can't solve, he kidnaps Lana. Like, oh, what is that? What is she, his muse? And uh, Dr. Winger is very calm about it, an associate of Lex Luthor, a wanted criminal just casually in his lab. And Darla's like Lex here. She thinks she needs leverage. She doesn't get that Superboy would go after Lex without Lana being held hostage. Honestly, Darla would could let Lana go, and Superboy would still step into the portal. He wouldn't abandon even Lex Luthor to this unknown fate. But she clearly panicked, and by kidnapping Lana, she seems to uh, think she's in control. So Dr. Winger lays down the alternate world's theory in seconds. I love Dr. Winger's enthusiasm for alternate worlds and parallel universes i kind of wonder if that's where my own enthusiasm for this kind of story comes from because this character's enthusiasm for the subject just seemed to rub off on me and there's a ton of uncertainty here no one knows where luthor went they don't know if they can get superboy back from wherever he's going and darla is setting timelines they're making making threats not only do you have to step into this portal and go who knows where but you got 24 hours to complete your mission I think a lot of probably freeze it less, but that's neither here nor there. And there seems to be no way to see where the last place the portal went to was, I guess. So Superboy steps in, in front of the portal. I don't know why they just stand in front of it. You would think they could just uh, walk into it and they'd go wherever they went. You're actually going to see at the beginning of the next episode, Superboy does just that. So I like this uh, little trippy uh, kaleidoscope passageway. Although I don't understand why he doesn't just kind of come through the corresponding portal he just kind of appears in random places he uh kind of just falls out of the sky and hits the ground so he so he's in a new world and lana is in a meat freezer and here we go superboy is walking through this uh, dirty other world and people are giving him all kinds of nasty looks firing uh, darts at him and chanting die superboy die the homeless clearly do not like him so then we run to uh run into homeless lana so it's apparently clear that Superboy has abandoned Lana as well. She's going on about something Superboy did. Superboy has no idea what the hell she's talking about. So she tells him to shut up and sends him to the cemetery. And there it is in big, bold letters on, on an ornate tombstone. And Lana is so knowledgeable about this. She actually knows which section to to go to. So Luthor, the Superboy goes to the cemetery. As he's walking by, he's walking by a whole bunch of Look like tiny crosses. I don't know if these are supposed to be graves or what, but you see these tiny, almost like stick crosses as markers, and then all of a sudden, big as day, right in front of you see this big ornate tombstone. Lex Luthor, murdered by Superboy. No dates, no nothing, just a newspaper headline, for lack of a better term. Now, the show never explains it, 
But I'm curious as to what Lex Luthor was in this world. I mean, he is, now he's in this auditorium. The people love him. They're chanting his name. I remember the promo for this episode saying, Superboy is sent to a world where Lex Luthor was king. But he's not. I mean, that's just hyperbole for a promo. But the synopsis says there's brainwashing. There's no evidence of that here. Brainwashing is never mentioned in the episode. So what kind of hold does Lex have over these people? Well, well, other than that, well, I guess uh, he has the same kind of hold that any kind of uh, evangelist preacher would have over his crowd. He yells out that he's uh, resurrected. The crowd goes nuts. And he's really working this crowd. And he tells them that Superboy killed an imposter, which would seem to uh, fly in the face of his I am resurrected bit. And he was just kind of waiting for them to see the truth. Of course, we know the truth, that he just arrived in this world and he's done uh, very well uh, inserting himself into this world. And there's Superboy in the background watching. I like the uh, dark filter on the camera here. Really sets uh, this world apart from the home universe. And Sherman Howard is really hamming up this performance. And it's absolute gold. He is working this crowd. He is into this speech. You watch Sherman Howard in this show. And I really don't know a ton about the, about a lot of his other work. I know he's done some voice work. I was recently watching Lethal Weapon 2, and he's there, but I don't remember if he had any lines. I just recognized his face. I probably wouldn't even recognize his face had I not been watching this. But, you know, it's absolute gold. Scott Wells could not pull this off. So after that, Lex is back in his office on the phone. Uh, he's having a very uh, casual conversation with what I'm going to say is President H.W. Bush. He was president at this time because... Uh, just some of the clues in the conversation here. Luthor mentions uh, sending Air Force One for him, and then he asks about Barb. Uh, I would imagine he's asking about his wife, uh, Barbara Bush. So that kind of thing could date the episode, but unless you're... It's a throwaway conversation, so it really doesn't matter. But it is confirmed that in this alternate universe, President George H.W. Bush is president. And now I hear Superboy shows up and Lex uh, stutters because he thinks this is the alternate Superboy, but... This is the Superboy that he knows, and uh, we get some banter. Uh, Superboy tells him why he's there. Lex postulates that, you know what, maybe I'll meet the Darla of this world somewhere. And Superboy says, I don't think so here. I think that's kind of the first time he says it. I think it's kind of a repeated line throughout the course of the show. He'll say, I don't think so, quite a few times. As I, I can think of at least one other time. But as soon as Superboy tries to uh, grab Lex to take him home, Lex comes out with the kryptonite and, well, kind of forces Superboy back into the crowd, which being that it infatuated with Lex Luthor, tries to kill Superboy. But after about a minute or so, you know, Superboy gets away and fights them off and escapes. I'm not sure why Luthor lets Superboy get away here, but maybe he was just kind of trying to uh, get the crowd to do it. That's something very Lex Luthor, but you'd think he'd throw some kryptonite into the crowd or something, but nope. Take it, the kryptonite comes off Luthor and the crowd takes over and Superboy gets away. So Lex could have solved himself a whole bunch of trouble there if he just kind of finished Superboy off, but he doesn't. So now we go to the Bureau, and this place is a wreck. It's empty, and Matt is sleeping on the staircase. I don't understand how one turn of events could have shut down the Bureau, unless this world was completely different and screwed beforehand. So Matt runs off, and uh, here's the other world Superboy coming in through the ceiling. You know, he looks more like the Terminator than Superboy. Some people, when they mention uh, this version of Superboy, they seem to want to compare him to the 90s version of Superboy introduced couple years after this in the comics, after the death of Superman, but he had a costume. This Superboy's wearing a leather jacket, one that seems very big on him. You know, a t-shirt, which could be green or gray. It's hard, it's hard to tell in this poor lighting, and it uh, looks like pants or something. Like I said, more like the Terminator than a superhero. So Now the two Superboys are going to have a heart-to-heart -heart after they banter for a minute. That must be interesting for Gerard Christopher to play uh, bantering with himself. I'm sure he's probably playing those lines off of another actor, probably... Uh, the Superboy double, but it's a nice scene between the two Superboys. And uh, they have a heart-to-heart. -heart. And here's what happened. Lex Luthor kidnapped some kids and had died. And this Superboy cut Luthor in two with heat vision. Very graphic de description. And it seems that because of this one decision, this entire world goes to crap. So like I said when I mentioned the Bureau, this world must have had problems to begin with. And this uh, dark Superboy has lost hope and is ashamed of what he's done. He still uses his superpowers, but doesn't wear the costume. The uh, the alternate Superboy had initially told Superboy that the darkness in him was in our Superboy's heart as well, and uh, 
Superboy turns that around on him and reminds his alternate that he knows what he's made of too, and he knows that the alternate Superboy is still capable of being the hero that he is. So I like that little back and forth uh, between them. So eventually Superboy leaves, and now we go to this world's version of the portal, and this world's Dr. Winger. Looks like he just escaped from a Def Leppard concert. And Superboy comes to visit, and he wants a favor. And basically, after he shows some fear, he's going to have Dr. Winger call Luthor. Now, I mentioned before the dark filter on this show when it's in this alternate world. The one problem with the transfer to the DC app is it looks very grainy. I don't recall that being uh, a problem on my old uh, tube 13-inch television, but it's more of a problem on a bigger and higher definition screen now. That's for sure. So now... Superboy just walks up to Luthor and tries to grab him and drag him through the portal. That didn't work last time he tried it. Did he forget the kryptonite? So we get a little bit of Superboy-level arrogance as uh, part one comes to a close because he just finds himself under the influence of kryptonite and down on the steps as this episode ends. Well, at least as part one ends. So now I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo. When I come back, road's not taken. Part two. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in there. Aquaman. The Fire and Water Podcast, celebrating Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, and Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. Available at Fire and Water Podcast, Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, here to talk about Firestorm. Along with me is my co-host, Rob Kelly, here to talk about some guy that talks to fish. Really? You're going to pull this crap during the promo? It's bad enough. I have to put up with your shenanigans every... All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to finish this episode off with The Road's Not Taken, Part 2. Original broadcast date was November 10th, 1990, one day after my 10th birthday, for those of you who are interested in knowing this. Directed by Richard J. Lewis, written by Stan Berkowitz and John Francis Moore. Guest cast, uh, pretty much the same as Part 1. Kenneth Robert Shippey as Dr. Winger. Tracy Roberts as Darla. Sherman Howard as Lex Luthor. Roger Floyd as The Messenger. Jacob Witkin as advisor number one, Jack Swanson as advisor number two, Steve Demoshel as the driver, Jason Paget as the kid, Tim Powell as the man, and Paul Matthew as Superboy Double. And our synopsis is brought to you by TV.com. The kryptonite assault on Superboy continues until he gathers the strength to take his only escape route into the portal. He falls into another world and rises to see a building mounted picture of another version of himself with the caption, Our Sovereign. As Superboy walks the street, the townspeople wearing their armbands with the S-Shield gather around and bow their heads to him. A woman tells a little boy to approach Superboy for an autograph, but Superboy tells him that he's not their sovereign. Just then, a jeep pulls up and a soldier jumps out and tells Superboy they found a traitor. It's another version of Lana, and she spits at Superboy's feet. If he acts as the sovereign, Superboy has the option to kill her, but instead, he flies away with her. Another version of Luthor looks on with another man from hiding place, fearing that Lana will be killed. Superboy sets down on a fire escape and tries to convince a militant second alternate Lana that he's not the Sovereign. Go ahead, do it. Lana, what's going on? You ought to know you're the Sovereign. I'm not the Sovereign. You've got to believe me. Who else could you be? You look like him. You have his powers. If I were the Sovereign, wouldn't I have killed you? You're trying to trick me. You want me to inform on the movement. What movement? The movement that's going to take you out of power. The movement that believes in freedom and democracy. But that's what I believe in. No. I'm not going to tell you anything. But Lana... Just go ahead and kill me. Stubborn as ever. What? Go. That's it? Back at the first alternate lab, Luthor worried the Superboy might return convinces Dr. Winger to destroy the portal, but Winger mentions that he still has a remote that works just like the portal. 
when Luthor tries to destroy the remote, the alternate Superboy, now wearing the costume, stops him. I thought I got rid of you. Wrong one. Which one are you? The one who killed you. In the Sovereign's world, uh, Dr. Winger is working until he answers the knock at the door. It's Superboy. But thinking he's the Sovereign, Winger bows to him and readily responds to Superboy's request to use the portal. But he says he has to run next door to adjust the power supply. Meanwhile, at his palace, the Sovereign fears that the people hate him. They hate me. They hate me. They don't hate you, Sovereign. They love you. They don't deserve me. They don't. Maybe I should let them run their own stinking planet. Oh no, Sovereign, no! We need you. But the movement doesn't need me. They're an aberration. A handful of lunatics. If just a few, then why are they so difficult to get rid of? Because... I'm waiting. Because... We're no good. We don't deserve to work for you. You're dedicated. I like that. Why don't you take that dedication and use it to get rid of the movement? Yes, Sovereign. We will. Good. Now I feel better. We'll get on it right now, Sovereign. Sovereign. Sovereign, there's an imposter pretending to be you. It's impossible. He flew, sir. And he had a chance to kill one of the rebels, but he didn't do it. He flew? Yes, sir. It's some kind of trick. They're trying to destroy me! I'll see to it immediately, sir. Stop! Get back here. No, Sovereign. No. Please. Please. Have mercy on me. Back at the lab, Dr. Winger returns with a quote-unquote friend. It's another alternate Luthor, holding a chunk of kryptonite. He's not the Sovereign. He let me go. It was a trick. No. No, he's not. I know it. Okay, who are you? Superboy. What the hell kind of a name is that? He's lying. He's the Sovereign. I came through one of the portals from another world. What do you mean, one of the portals? There's only this one. There are billions. What's he talking about? Multi-dimensional theory. How would you know about that? It works! I'm proof! It is possible. Lex! He's not the Sovereign. But I want something in return. Same old Luther. What do you want me to do for you? You're gonna help us fight the Sovereign. You said you believed in freedom and democracy? Now prove it. At the, at the movement's hideout, Luthor and Lana tell Superboy their story of the Sovereign's arrival to their world. Every child knows the Sovereign's story by heart. It's practically religion. The infant who could fly, lift a truck, see through concrete, destroy an entire forest with the heat that comes from his eyes. He came here in a rocket. It landed on the Kent farm. Kent farm? No, just across the highway from there by a couple of hundred yards. He landed at one of the Elman granary complexes. Old man Elman found him himself, took him back to his estate and carefully groomed him to become master of the earth. Salman was crippled. 
saw the sovereign's strength and with it the potential for total political domination. Based entirely on Elman's philosophy of fear and intimidation. Intruders break into their hideout and open fire. Superboy shields the bullets with his cape, but Luthor is hit, and Lana rushes to his side as Luthor dies. Back at his palace, the Sovereign addresses his people over the PA system. So I ask myself, where do the people in the movement come from? Don't they have brothers and sisters? Mothers and fathers, sons and daughters? Of course they do. And those people have an obligation to report them. If they don't, they're guilty of treason too. Remember, the Sovereign can't be watching all of you all the time. But sooner or later, he will see you. Afterward, they see Superboy standing across the way. The Sovereign walks over to him and is impressed. Very nice! Excellent likeness. Now, who are you? I'm you, I'm ashamed to say. But how? Listen to me. These people don't need your help. They can run their own lives. You know, you look like me. But I don't think you have my character. Let's see what you're made of. You're as strong as I am. People like us were meant to rule. It's our destiny. I'm not sure what my destiny is, but I know it's not this. Look what I've done! They wanted truth and justice. I gave them something better. Peace, prosperity, order! But not the freedom to choose the way we want to live. Lana, get out of here! It's all right. I'm ready for him. Lana shows up strapped with a kryptonite suicide bomb. She releases the lead shielding and both Superboy and the Sovereign bend in pain. Lana forces the Sovereign down a corridor and the dead ends. Superboy walks in just before Lana detonates the bomb, which sends a kryptonite fireball racing toward him. Then out of nowhere appears the alternate Superboy. Time to go. Alternate Superboy uses the remote he took from Winger's lab to transport them back there. They both appear and Superboy sees that there's still hope for his alternate to make a positive change. As Superboy gets set to take Luthor back, they see that the Kryptonite explosion was also transported. Alternate Superboy tosses the remote to Superboy, and they disappear before the portal explodes, leaving Alternate Superboy's fate a mystery. They arrive back to our world where Darla waits with Lana. Superboy pushes them all aside and destroys the portal, eliminating any chance of the fireball following them. As Lana welcomes Superboy back, Luthor begins to babble. I was afraid I'd never see you again. I thought I'd never see this you again either. That's funny. There's no like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. What the hell did you do to him? He's crazy. What was he before? Sane? No place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Exactly where the previous one left off. Pretty hard cliffhanger with Superboy under the influence of Kryptonite right in front of the portal. And the first thing he does is he runs into the portal to escape. I like this shot. It's a side view of the portal. So you see behind it. Superboy doesn't come out the other side. So I'm guessing they use some kind of green screen technology. to, Because I'm sure when, Super, when Gerard Christopher runs into the portal set, he comes out on the other side. But we obviously don't see anything. So like I said, my guess is some kind of green screen. So, Dr. Winger has no idea where Superboy went. Not being able to control where you're going is a serious design flaw in any portal, and it becomes quite clear that Superboy needs to uh, work on his landings as he falls out of the sky, falls out of the sky, falls out of buildings. But before I, I go on, one more note about the portal. I think Dr. Winger needs to install an off switch, just so people can't randomly fall into his portals and appear who knows where. So now we're in a world where apparently uh, Superboy is the sovereign, some kind of supreme ruler. So we'll get, like in the first part, we're going to get another few minutes of confusion as he explores his, his new world that he has discovered. This kind of looks a little bit like the 1930s, the 1940s, uh, with, and the hairstyles are kind of meant to evoke Nazi Germany, especially with the uh, black 
S-Shield armbands. The dress of some of the people and the soldiers definitely remind me of uh, German SS officers that you've seen in old videos and whatnot in the movies. So this kid asks for Superboy's autograph, thinking that he's a sovereign. Superboy says he's not. So here's a guard bringing Superboy, who they think, it, again, who they think he's a sovereign, a traitor. It's Lana. And these alternate Lanas have no love for Superboy, I'll tell you that much. First, uh, in part one, homeless Lana, you know, didn't care too much for him. And now this uh, rebel Lana is spitting at him. And Lana looks very different in these episodes to the point where it almost doesn't look like Stacey Heidek with that long hair and the glasses. Gee, different hair and glasses changing someone's face. How novel. But she uh, has got a serious bad wig. I mean, this is a bad wig of uh, CW proportions right here. And this kid is brutal. He wants Superboy to rip Lana's arms off or burn her with his heat vision. And you can almost kind of see this kid drooling as he thinks about it. This kid is sadistic. This must be one of the uh, sovereign youth or whatever. So instead of uh, ripping her arms off or burning her to death, he flies away with her. As another man and Lex Luthor are concerned over her health. So there's a change. Of course, in uh, our home universe, uh, Lex kidnaps Lana every time he has a problem he can't solve. So maybe that's not much of a change. So... And I'm guessing the guy that Lex is with here is the, the character described as man in the uh, guest cast. So Superboy is going to get some answers. He's going to try. Lana is giving Superboy a little bit of what he wants to know. She mentions the movement against him to take him out of power. And she's basically saying, kill me, because not because she wants to die, but because that's what she's expecting this Sovereign to do. And we're going to learn that Lana and the Sovereign have history, apparently with Lex as well. She thinks uh, that he's a sovereign and wants her to inform on the movement. And I like Superboy's frustration with Lana's stubbornness. Apparently, some things do not change from one world to the other. So, back on the first alternate world, Luthor wants to blow up the portal to prevent Superboy from coming back. Winger is understandably upset. If the home dimension Dr. Winger spent 12 years working on it, it's conceivable that this world Dr. Winger did as well. But Lex is... Uh, Expecting to come into power. Not necessarily sure what that means. Uh, he's going to at least be president, I guess, or some kind of supreme world ruler. Maybe he plans to be something like the sovereign in this world. Who knows? But Dr. Winger becomes willing to destroy the portal because he's got the remote, which is basically a handheld portal device that I don't know if we have that in the home universe. So maybe uh, this Dr. Winger is a little bit ahead of the other. The one that we met in part one? I don't know. Just because nobody ever said that that Dr. Winger had a remote doesn't mean he doesn't. And uh, Lex tries to destroy the remote, but Superboy stops him from breaking it. Superboy? Huh? Uh, nope, it's the alternate Superboy. The one that killed Lex. And I like his playfulness. Kind of batting his eyes at Lex when he says, Oh no, wrong one. <laughs> and then we have to Lex wants to know, well, Superboy is there. He's like, hey, I'm the one who killed you. And... Uh, Luthor just stands there with his mouth open and uh, while shitting a brick. And I guess he's too stunned to find or grab the kryptonite. I don't know, maybe it's on a table somewhere or he can't reach it, but Superboy gets the jump on uh, Lexa Winger and no kryptonite this time. So now we're back in the Sovereign's world, and you can tell that because the Sovereign's world has a reddish tint. The uh, first alternate universe had a very dark filter. Now there's a little bit of a reddish tint on... Uh, on the camera for this world. Dr. Winger is a little more uh, clean cut here than either of his two counterparts. Kenneth Shippey had a ponytail in uh, the home universe, and uh, I've already described the alternate Dr. Winger in the first segment. So the portal is untested in this world as well, and uh, Dr. Winger tells Superboy that he needs to adjust the power. This whole time, Dr. Winger thinks he's talking to the Sovereign and not a different version of him. No one takes into account that Superboy is not wearing the Sovereign's normal outfit. I mean, do they think he just changed clothes for the day? Who knows? So now here's uh, the Sovereign, our ruler of the world, and uh, looks like he's wearing a plastic Halloween costume. I don't like this suit. It just looks plastic. And he's annoyed that the world hates him. And he got these two advisors here. I guess their job is to prop up his ego. You know, you would think that he'd have younger guards or aides, but it is unclear what these guys do aside from what the Sovereign tells them to. So they're, they are about to leave to do the Sovereign's bidding, which is basically to get rid of the movement. I don't know how they're going to do that, or I don't even think they know how they're going to do that, but uh, they're going to do it. 
now the sovereign is going to learn about an imposter. And I believe this messenger was played by the same kid who delivered the lock of hair to Clark in part one. You know, makes sense. Even though they're separate episodes and you could use different actors because it's in the different episodes. It makes sense just to sign somebody for two episodes. And uh, being that it's all the same production staff, you probably just do it all at once and let these uh, background characters go. So the sovereign has a bit of a temper tantrum. And he's showing none of uh, Superboy's morals. Definitely showing that nurture wins out over nature, as we're soon going to find out. And after the messenger kid leaves telling him about the imposter, he calls back his two advisors. And he kills one of them. I'm not sure what he does, but there's no heat vision sound effect. But it does make the other look away in disgust. So maybe he maybe he strangled him or something. But whatever it done, it was violent enough that the show doesn't show it. It is, after all, a family show. So this is when we learn that Dr. Winger is one of the rebels and working with this world's Lex Luthor. I like this. I like that no matter what side Superboy or Super Superman is on, Lex Luthor is on the opposite. Talked a little bit about that when we discussed Dave's letter about the parallelism. About when I mentioned Superboy and Luthor always pulling the rope in opposite directions. Same thing here. These two characters, no matter what's going on with the other characters in his orbit, Luthor and Superboy or Superman should always be in opposition to each other. Now, an interesting note, and I saw this in the trivia on TV.com, some have thought that this Lex Luthor should really have been portrayed by Scott Wells, God help us all, as this Lex Luthor had no reason to kill and impersonate Warren Eckworth. Maybe, maybe not. It's possible that this Lex needed to change his appearance to escape the Sovereign, so I'm not going to buy into that theory completely, at least not for this episode. You could definitely ask that question, in The Road to Hell, which is the two-part finale of this season, which again revisits a few more parallel universes aside from these two. So just going to leave that there. So Lana is convinced that Superboy is not the Sovereign because he let her go. <laughs> I like that Lex asks his name and he says Superboy, and I just love Lex's reaction. What the hell kind of a name is that? Winger is a little bit less convinced. So Superboy tells him that he's from another world, that there are billions of portals. He says there are billions of portals. He knows that there are at least three. The one in the one in his universe, the one in the alternate universe in here. And that kind of gets the wheels going in Winger's mind a little bit. And he's like, yeah, it is possible. And, you know, Lana convinces Lex to let him live. And the banter is just great. Lex says, okay. But there's a price tag attached. And I love Superboy's comment. Same old loser. But he's not really in a position to negotiate, you know, on his back under a kryptonite on a table. So now Lana is kind of giving uh, Superboy a chance to put his money where his mouth is. You believe in freedom and democracy? Prove it. But before he gets a chance to prove it, we're going to have a little bit of story time. Lex is telling the story of the Sovereign and uh, Superboy is okay on this universe announcing that he landed on the Kent farm. The Sovereign did not. Apparently, it landed across the highway from the Ken farm. The synopsis says it overshot the Ken farm. Okay, I, I can go with that. Landed in the old man Elman's greenery complex who was crippled and he groomed the Sovereign to rule the world through fear and intimidation. So there is some indication, and there's even later indication later in the episode, that Lana and the Sovereign grew up together. He may not have been Clark Kent, but he must have been in Smallville because she does make reference to when they're growing up. So... The Sovereign's goons interrupt story time, and we get a nice action sequence of this guy, of these guys killing the Rebels and Superboy mixing it up with them. Lex was shot, and Superboy was unable to save him. And Superboy makes a dying promise to Lex Luthor that he'll fight the Sovereign, which you don't often see Superboy making a promise to, Luthor, to Lex Luthor on his deathbed. And he asks about other Luthors and if they'll die for what they believe in. He says they are, and I don't know, does he, I don't know if he believes that. I think there's no reason to upset the dying man by telling him a lot of his counterparts are scum. So now we head back to the uh, to the Sovereign's Palace, and he's uh, making the speech. He's uh, addressing his people by radio, I'm guessing, trying to convince families of the rebels to turn them in because they're, that makes them just as guilty, and uh, they'll be taken care of by the Sovereign. He's very menacing when he says that. I can't be watching all of you all of the time, but I will see you. So whoever's conspiring, he'll get them eventually. So uh, his address is interrupted by Superboy kind of standing in his chamber. Don't know how he got in there, but he did. And uh, Gerard Christopher does very well with these different versions of Superboy. He uh, 
played the uh, the the first alternate very well. Uh, kind of the hopeless Superboy, and he plays this arrogant and ill-tempered sovereign very well as well. And there's more banter between he and himself as they get into a fight. You know, Superboy is ashamed of the sovereign, and uh, when they start fighting, the sovereign admires Superboy's strength and says they should rule. You see the difference. The sovereign even mentions that they want the truth and justice, but what he gave them was better: peace, prosperity, and order. Which apparently is better than Superboy's truth and justice. But Lana brings up a third thing that they wanted. The freedom to determine how they want to live. Superboy's like, I got this. But Lana's uh, taking no chance. She shows up with a kryptonite suicide vest. Willing to give her life for this cause. And Superboy can do nothing to stop her. Because the kryptonite affects him as well. In other versions of Superman or Superboy in the comics. And I think this is even a Superman 22 thing. Other universe kryptonite doesn't affect Superboy or Superman, but in this case here, all Kryptonite affects him. I don't think it would make a lot of sense to explain why other versions of Kryptonite wouldn't affect him, just keep it constant. That makes a lot more sense, works for the story. So apparently Lex grew up with the Sovereign and Lana as well. He grew up in Smallville. There was no real indication in any other episode in Season 1 that this was the case in the regular universe, but I guess we can go with it here. It's uh, another universe, all bets are off. So now some Lana closes on Superboy, and when she gets right up and personal with him, she blows the bomb, and surprisingly, you can actually see them blow up when she detonates it. Well, obviously not them, it's probably dummies or something, but you actually see two bodies standing there and get blown to pieces. I don't know if I ever noticed that on my videotapes back from 1990, but I definitely noticed it on uh, my computer screen. So now Superboy is trapped as a kryptonite explosion moves toward him, but just as the alternate Superboy take, shows up and take him back to the first world he visited. So, a couple taps on the remote. They're gone and through the portal. So now they talk about how the alternate Superboy can turn things around on his own world. And I see, and I like how the visit from this soup, from the home Superboy, has really affected change in the alternate Superboy. Before Superboy arrived, the alternate was out of sorts, guilt-ridden, felt hopeless, and was done with it all. Just now, just from a few minutes' exposure to the original Superboy, he's ready to put the suit on and fight the good fight. So I like that. I also love how rough the alternate Superboy is with Lex. He has Lex and Winger tied up to a post or something, and he just rolls over to the wire and grabs it and breaks it, not caring if he hurts them at all. And I don't understand why Lex is so freaked out by going through the portal again. He's done it before, but he probably doesn't want to go home and go to prison. But by accident, the alternate Superboy brought the explosion back too. So he tosses the remote to Superboy and he and Lex leave. I would have liked to have known what happened to the alternate Superboy. I'm going to assume he got Dr. Winger out of there in time. And also, to be honest, I would have, being that we played with alternate, being that the show goes to alternate universes again at the end of the season, I would have liked to have seen the alternate Superboy again. But that is the last time we see that version of Superboy. Like I said, I'm just going to headcanon it that he and Dr. Winger got out of there on time. So while they're between universes, Lex's wig flies off, so he returns home bald. And they show up, and there's Darla and Lana waiting at the portal. And then Superboy destroys the home portal. And I'm not sure why he felt the need to destroy it. Did he? There was a green glow when, after he heat-visioned the portal, so did he transport the explosion too? Who knows? And maybe if he did... Maybe that saved the alternate Superboy. I don't know. But 12 years. Dr. Winger must be pissed. The only portal that we know of that survived is uh, the one in the Sovereign's world. So meanwhile, Lex is mumbling. <laughs> There's no place like home. And Darla wants to know what he did to him. And uh, Darla says he's crazy. And Lana's like, what? He was saying before? So what I want to know is, does Lex go to jail after this? Maybe we'll find out the next time we see Lex. As it would be very easy for Superboy to uh, send them to prison after all this. But... I guess we'll see in Body Swap in about a month. So that's done. I love that two-parter. My favorite of the show. These two episodes really made me made an impression on me when I watched them as a kid. And it was an absolute joy to watch them again. So next time, I'll be back with The Sons of Icarus and Carnival. In the meantime, if you want to send feedback, it's always welcome. Manascreen at gmail.com. If you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Man of Screen Podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at Man of Screencast. And uh, if you don't mind, folks, why don't you leave me a review over an Apple Podcast? That'll help other people find the show, too. Until next time, folks, 
We're all on the same team. Good night. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.